You're listening to Two Sons of Tatooine. If there's a bright center to the universe, you're listening to the podcast that it's farthest from. And here are your hosts, Jonathan and Nathan. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Two Sons of Tatooine. My name is Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro, and joining me today is my co-host, Jonathan Cohn. We want to thank you for joining us as we dive deeper into all things Star Wars. On today's show, we will be discussing our favorite tracks from a New Hope soundtrack. We'll be discussing some differences between the soundtrack and the movie score, uh, the different versions of the soundtrack, and which musical moments are our favorites. Uh, So, Jonathan, I think a great place to start would be to ask you uh, what you think about the soundtrack to Star Wars also known by some millennials as Star Wars A New Hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, first I should say that I'm really excited that we're talking about this. I should preface it by saying that you're, For of sure. the two of us, you're the music scholar, so this is going to be one of those episodes that you oh, know you lie. quite a bit more than me. Um, although Maybe, I, I, but I think I know a little bit about... I think, you know, I think you know plenty. I think I know way less than you think I know, but we will see. <laughs> we will see. Um, but yeah, I love the A New Hope score. When we ranked it, I believe it was somewhere around six, five or six for me. So right in the middle um, uh, of all the scores. I, I think it is very iconic, but I think that certain scores from other movies do better or worse. Um, but I still think it's very impressive. As the la- this week, I went back twice and just <clears throat> re-listened to the whole uh, soundtrack mm-hmm. and score. And I thought it was interesting that there's so many moments that just feel like 70s sci-fi moments in the soundtrack. Hmm. He he yeah. has a lot of those in there and we're so used to them from Star Wars that in the movie we don't pay attention but just listening to the soundtrack I was like, "Ooh, that's an interesting hmm. 70s the just like at random right. moments. Like a mm-hmm. lot of those stuff was great. Um but it does have some really interesting like great orchestral moments that we'll get to uh, in mm-hmm. our discussion. Oh, yeah. So I definitely love the A New Hope soundtrack. It's super evocative of just the the genre of I mean for everything sci-fi. And yet how groundbreaking. I mean you can't even talk about when you talk about soundtracks that made mm-hmm. a difference that totally reshaped even for not just an era but for an entire like I mean that that sci-fi genre that is that has come out of Star Wars that has been trying to replicate it ever since, mm-hmm. um, and even Star Wars trying to replicate itself. Yeah, it all began with I guess that conversation that George Lucas had with Spielberg saying, "Hey, I want to get more of a you know something electronic, something kind of from that golden age of of cinema or whatever." Mm-hmm. And you know the two of them are just like, "No, John Williams <laughs> just had the success from Jaws." Which, if you listen to Jaws, you'll hear a whole lot of similarities. It's really neat. Mm-hmm. Um, just some of the some of the more kind of like action scenes and things like that. Yeah. Um, apart from the two note motif of the ba bump, but just <laughs> some of his other places, you'll hear so much similarities. But that choice that they made wasn't that like that. W- that was a moment we could look back in time, Jonathan, yeah. and we could say thank you. Just wow! If you hadn't done that, Star Wars wouldn't have. Would, might not have ever had the success that it had. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if they had Danny Elfman uh, do the score, how horrible that would have been? That uh, joke has been made, sir. That joke has been made. I know, that's why I'm But making. you could possibly make the, you could say, what if they had had someone like John Powell 
you could say like a modern day if they'd had Hans Zimmer do yeah. it. But how different would it have with, been with Powell and with Giacchino? Is that they base their style of composing off of Williams and largely off of his Star Wars stuff. And even like mm. like you're talking about how it influences. It didn't just influence sci-fi. Influ- it influenced the superhero. It mm. influenced. Yes. Um, Romance movies. It, it influenced basically any movie that has orchestral music. That's not just you know bringing in bands from the seventies or eighties. Like any movie that has or, uh, orchestra, basically is stems back to John Williams' scores uh, mostly. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is worth talking about. But he I, is such a humble guy, though. That oh he, yeah, like he he doesn't even want to take credit for that. And, you know, it, you can listen to a lot of movie soundtracks today that mm-hmm. don't have the serious tone of, of a Star Wars film. And you think, you know, this this whole influence that they got, I guess it it's it's something from that. But they I don't know that that it that necessarily would have existed or, or if it fits the way. Um, what was I trying to say there? You continue with what you had. Well, I was going to say you made some notes about the various versions. Um, yeah, of the I can talk about that. And I thought maybe you'd spend a few minutes on talking about the most important parts of that. So maybe you're driving and you're just chilling. And here's some fact info for you while you listen to us. Um, the New Hope soundtrack. It had several different releases across you know across the years, and really its first release, which won you know it won an Academy Award for Best Score, seventy seven. Mm-hmm. Um, that was uh, the LP was released by Twentieth Century Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, it was on vinyl, you know, and Williams only selected seventy five minutes out of the eighty eight minutes of musical score, and uh, he did that kind of just picking his favorites and he picked you know some great spots but there was also some moments that that did get left out that fans were wondering and couldn't get a hold of mm-hmm. um <clears throat> and it's also worth mentioning that that original release was not in order of of which the the scores appeared in the movie mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting i don't know about you jonathan when i listen to a soundtrack that's in order i kind of think about what happens in the movie do you yeah. not do the same thing absolutely i do that so it might have been fun, kind of kind of weird for them listening, you know, in the same in the same order versus an order that is just totally jumbled. They're like, "Hey, we're jump from the Death Star to Tatooine." That's not in the right order. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, anyway, so the second release that I that I really know aware that I'm aware of, um, this was like in '96 that just came out on CD, and they shifted the order around around a little bit, um, but but wasn't quite the exact order that. Uh, that that it appeared in the actual movie, uh, that didn't happen until uh, the 1993, when they finally released kind of a um, a collection that included those tracks that were left out from the 75 minute version to the 88 88 minute score. So there was tracks that um, one of the ones that I mentioned comes to my mind is of course Cantina Band Number Two. Mm-hmm, um, yeah, I'm sure you've listened to that track a lot, Jonathan. What's your take on on Cantina Band Two? Um, I don't believe it made it into my top ten, but it is a, a quite good, um, uh, fun piece. I think it's great for like background music anywhere. If you need mm. just something Star Warsy to put on, it's a great, just fun little piece. Fun. What do you think about the big band style of it? Because as as compared to like Cantina Band One, and I know we're kind of jumping ahead of ourselves, but Cantina Band Two feels much more big bandy style mm-hmm. than. I mean, well, Cantina Band One is a very—it's a little bit Benny Goodman-y with the clarinet yep. feel, but it's—it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of you know, it actually feels like soprano sax. But <laughs> um, anyway, so that 1993 box release CD, 
it actually had episode four and five, and it basically added in all the missing tracks like Destruction of Alderaan and Cantina Bantu. So mm. fan- finally, fans could get that full soundtrack, and they appeared in order, which was great. And I noticed when you made your rankings, you used some of the titles that were used in that one. Um, however, I used all the titles for the next version. The next version, um, when they did the special editions of the, st- of the, of the movies, uh, of course, Williams did it. He did finally add in a few score moments and re-recorded some things just – uh, not tampering with the original stuff too much, but in the edit, added scenes, some of the tracks got extended. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't view that in such a way that a purist would view it. I say it's John Williams and it's the original music and mm-hmm. it's, it's just slightly longer, which, to be frank with you, Jonathan, um, with so many takes that they had, he really just used, re- uh, you know, uh, arrangements and, and compositions that were written 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's really what he did, is he just pulled his old notes out, and and then they did that. So um, that that 1997 special edition reissue is uh, the version that I often listen to. And the tracks, like I said, they have different titles. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, like The Princess Appears, um, which everyone probably knows that as Binary Sunset. Mm-hmm. Um, it got that actually retitled me. into holograms. Like, did that, did that confuse you? It did confuse me when I was looking up information. I'm just like, come on, just have a single name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> you probably had to listen to like several tracks and find you like, oh, there it is. Fine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> so um, anyway, and some of you find may find that that it's more difficult to f- to figure those things out. However, um, uh, the Star Wars soundtracks, I think all of them are just made for turn it on and listen. Mm-hmm. And and that leads to a lot of people not exactly learning the title of a track, and that's yep. okay. Yep. Just love the music. Just mm-hmm. listen. Um, and, and in fact, some of the times, even on that, the extended or I, I say the special edition release, there are several tracks which um, it might appear to be the same track, but it's slightly different. Um, and, and because of that, you know, you, you can get easily confused, such as... Um, the Dune Sea of Tatooine's, uh, the John's Java Sandcrawler track, mm-hmm. it's often confused with one track, which is the Moisture Farm, right, right after it. And that's because that theme played, well, first when the droids are crap captured, and you know, the, the, the Sandcrawler, you know, it's going across the skyline. And then again, when they pull up to uh, to Luke's place, or sorry, Uncle Ben's place. Uh, Luke's, he's, he doesn't have the mortgage on that yet. <laughs> um, so... Anyway, <laughs> anyway, and that's when you get the callback to Star Wars theme, the na da 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 da, um, when he's running out to uh, see what good old Aunt o- uh, uh, <laughs> Aunt Beru, <laughs> Aunt Owen, sorry, <laughs> forgive me, Aunt that Owen one. and Uncle so, Beru. This was 1977, to- not 2020, Nathan. Ooh. Yes, sir. <laughs> Why don't you take it from there? Well, I have tongue-tied myself pretty good. All right. So from there, I, I do find all that interesting. It now, like, I was really confused because before we started recording, Nathan sent me the um, uh, his recordings of the the soundtracks that I could add it in as we go along. I sent you the nineteen ninety three. Yeah, and I looked at that uh, and I was like, wait, which what? I have both. Yeah, I have both, and I sent you that one because it was a little bit smaller and shorter and easier to send. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but I was looking at the titles and I was like, "Wait, like there's like a bunch missing from this." I don't even reckon the the um, uh, desert and the robot auction. First of all, calling it a robot—that's that's interesting because I think they're yeah. only called robots one time, 
uh, in the That's how you can tell it was an earlier release. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because John Williams is like, oh, the robot auction, yeah. And they're like, no, 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 John, it's, it's, it's droid. Droid. So... With that, oh, we're man, going that's a throwback. To, yeah, we're going to uh, go into our rankings of them. So uh, some rankings. At well, how close? We probably we, should start in reverse order. Because yeah, reverse order. Uh, mm-hmm. And and Jonathan, talk about what we're going. Hope, hopefully, we're going to do in post processing or post editing. Yeah. So as we are describing these, we're going to try to um, edit in the music that we're referring to, so that you can understand what we're talking about. However. This is going to be interesting, something we've never done. So if you don't hear it, it's because we couldn't figure out how to do it properly. But I think I figured it out. So we'll see. So anyway, um, Mm. uh, I only did 10, but I actually do want to talk about your 11th because I think it's a very good one that we need to focus on. So why don't you start out with your number 11? Okay. Well, <clears throat> this one we already mentioned because I, I actually find this one to be very, very intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a little bit of a jazz connoisseur, but mm-hmm. I would say more of the more of the big band era, yeah. um, more of the 40s and 50s than I would be the kind of the cool jazz and the bebop to follow. Um, so when I think about the cantina music that, start, that John Williams wrote and... Um, my mind always goes back to that original kind of conversation that that it was reported that that George Lucas and Steven Spielberg had with John Williams, where they're like, "Hey, just just think, John, and just picture maybe some aliens that just kind of I guess it was a time capsule, or they just found a Benny Goodman CD. They found some they found some jazz, <laughs> and they were like trying to reinterpret it and make their own version of it. And uh, you know, just go with that. Just go with that. I can I can almost hear George." Kind of mm-hmm. in his own words, just, you'll be fine. Just go, just get it, just go for it. And uh, and then John's just saying, "Oh, okay, what, whatever, you know." <laughs> um, so Cantina Band Number Two, the um, if it's playing right now, you hear it. You hear the the um, the steel drum, the steel drum playing this kind of that cool, very intro lick. It it, it was one of those textures that I think. Williams kind of decided early on is like this is this is something that's going to help me kind of capture that alien esque feel. Um, so he really wanted to step out. Um, I, I really feel like that that has some uh, textural textural things that just set it and root it within this world of Star Wars. Mm. And anytime you have music that's of this quality. Not just from a soundtrack, but from something produced in in world, it kind of ele- elevates the culture of the world. And this culture, for instance, being Tatooine, being the scum planet, or you know, a hive of scum and villainy, as they say. I would never say that. That's what they say. Um, <laughs> anyway, for for it to have that kind of culture, it, it was it was quite a big thing for all the modal nodes and what's this guy? What's the guy's name? Something uh, Dan. Figurin, Figurin Dan. Figurin Dan and the Modal Notes. If you want if to read more about to, them, uh, you can read about them in from a certain point of view, and they have a long chapter. Woo! They have a very long chapter. Is that one of the ones that you already did before I got on the podcast? Yep. On the okay. It what chapter? Right. I'm gonna go I back and read it. I don't remember. You'll have to look it up. Uh, oh. But anyway, yeah, I but, do agree that uh, that Cantina Band Two is very good. It's very it's very different. Um, 
Uh, I I have fond memories from several years ago going and listening to the um, uh, the big band that uh, that Lloyd Jones and uh, that whole team would do around the Handy Festival. Um, mm-hmm. They did right, it yes. every year, and it was I always loved like the, the the big band type was my favorite. I mean, obviously, I, I would have liked if they had done full orchestra, but they didn't have the finances to be able to put that kind of show on. So they usually just did big band stuff, which is awesome anyway. So I loved listening to all that. So listening to Cantina Band 2 just puts me in that feeling. Oh, yeah. Um, and I really think that it works well as you need to have something going between their conversation to feel like stuff's, other stuff's happening. You... One thing I've been in other podcasts, not Star Wars related, that I've been listening to about movies and TV shows is you want to, your universe to feel like it's not just the stuff on screen, but stuff off screen is happening. And so the music mm. kind of makes it feel like stuff's happening in the cantina that doesn't relate yeah. to Obi-Wan and the rest. So that is a perfect use of cantina band number two. So yeah. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't even bore you with like just the order of your songs but if you're if you're writing a set to play in a cantina or a bar or whatever mm-hmm. you know you're going to have some dance music some upbeat and then some kind of down stuff but yeah. it's all going to be music that she should be able to have dialogue going on behind and you're not yeah. covering up people's ability to converse with each other mm-hmm. converse, to to have conversations yeah. so um it's very good that he uses the cantina band's music to introduce the cantina um, and it's not too loud for talking, but it is more upbeat and it's more of a wow factor. And then Cantina being band number two, they have this conversation going on and they're actually talking about the details of the Millennium Falcon of the ship mm-hmm. and you get to meet Han and Chewie. So it does fit the scene very well and it also makes sense within the context of uh, a bar set. So there we go. Yeah. Um, I will move on to my number 10. Um, Please do. Which I couldn't find in your version <laughs> of the soundtrack um but yeah, i really enjoy it it's the shootout don't call it my Selby. version just call it the the 90 93 version the one you sent me um uh the shootout in the cell bay uh which i really enjoy it as just um at great action music it's when you have uh han and luke and leia and they're just they just freed leia f- and they're um, shooting out with the, the stormtroopers, figuring out what to do. And it's uh, got lots of ups and downs in it. And it really just seems like very well done uh, action themes. Because sometimes action themes, you can't remember them. Mm-hmm. But this one, the... I just love mm-hmm. that whole portion of it. And so I really enjoyed that. Um, do you want to talk about that or do you want to move on to your number 10? Well, I'll just say that when it, when it, it, when you get a look at, at that particular soundtrack, Mm -hmm. New Hope, and you look at those action type of tracks, like you're mentioning, um, there are quite a few of them that happen, um, around the Death Star Mm -hmm. and, you know, you know, during some of the laser exchanges that go on. Um, and I really feel like. There's only one that really sticks out for me, and it's not that one. Um, hmm. That's in kind of the well. I guess there are two that are really actiony type scenes mm-hmm. that that I have on my list. Um, that I think both of those kind of eclipse the the you know the shootout in the Sobe. Yeah, but I that's true. I totally agree with you that 
it is good music and it fits really well, but I don't agree that it's something memorable enough for most people. Um, no. And that's okay mm-hmm. because these lists are not – now, these are our personal favorite moments and we, what we think is the most well done. Um, so there's going to be a moment or two on my list that I think you're going to say, I don't even know how that goes. I don't remember <laughs> how that sounds. Yeah. And that's okay um, if that's the case. Um, <laughs> but my um, – and I'll I'll just say this, Jonathan. Do you agree? Our top ten is not necessarily like we don't like the other tracks. Like mm. we just absolutely love this. I had a hard time yeah. making temp top I ten too. and limiting mm-hmm. it. Um, if did you have any that you that you almost put on yours that just got barely edged out? That would have been your number eleven or so. I'd have to go back and relook at the whole list, but I did have like everything. Like there's not a single piece on here that I just like go, oh, I don't like this. Like there's some that I'm like, yeah, it's okay. It's it's pretty good. But everyone goes from good to amazing tastic. So mm-hmm. Okay, well my number ten, um, and just just so you guys know, if any of these appear twice, we'll just talk about them when they appear and mm-hmm. I'll mention it as this number and then when we get to his we can mention it and say that we already talked about it. But um Burning Homestead which is the track that plays as Luke, you know, rides up. Uh, he's, he's figuring out that, you know, that would lead them back home when they, you know, they, they saw the attacks in Sandcrawler. And the sadness that was just just overwhelming in this, and you see, you know, even this very emotional wave that, that hits you as you see the skeletons, mm-hmm. the burnt carcasses of, you know, his aunt and uncle just strewn and laid there. You get this um, this sense that the Empire is really, really, really bad because they just they just murdered two people and destroyed their home all because of two droids that might not have even been there or clearly weren't there still. Yeah. And these people, you know, or these, imper- these imperialists, whatever they were, the stormtroopers, uh, you know, they, they did this heartlessly. And so Burning Homestead... It's, it is very, very evocative of this. I think that scene is important, and the scene works because how sad it is. The music, it envelops you in this just um, wave of, of sudden loss. Like, everything is different from here on out. Every string that was going to hold Luke and tie him down, that's his whole life that he's been like, responsibility and my my family, or, you know, my adopted, whatever, well, he's... Yeah, it's his half step, half step, uh, step <laughs> uncle, whatever. What are they called? Anyway, I'm not trying to tongue tie myself. I just am. Step brother. Everything. Or step uncle, rather. Whatever. Step uncle. It doesn't matter. I don't know what a, I don't know what you call that, but um, he he gets all of those tethers snipped, and he doesn't want it. He doesn't like that. He doesn't mm-hmm. like that at all. And from but from then on, he's free to just live his life. It's like. I'm an I'm an adult now, and I have the choice to go join the rebels, or I could, you know, take another ship and go to the edge of the galaxy if I want to. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to do the opposite. I'm gonna I'm gonna go and I'm gonna join Obi Wan. I want to learn yeah. the way of the Force. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Burning Homestead. I've talked about it for a minute. I think it's on your list later. You can tell us when we get to it. But you probably want want to talk to it about it too. So go well, ahead. I'll go ahead and talk about it briefly now. Which is I put it at number seven, so a little bit higher. But I view Burning Homestead as just this really like this turning point like before Luke wanted the adventure but he didn't want the risk and he didn't want to 
um, upset his family, even though he was disappointed with them for not letting him go to Tashi Station and all that stuff. Mm. He still <clears throat> wanted to, to please his un- aunt and uncle. And once that happens and he realizes that there's no home for him, he realizes, okay, now I have to do something. I have to go and help Obi-Wan. There's nothing for me here. And I love that. But particularly the part when the score changes and it's the flute and it's going the... I just think that that whole portion is just so I, I literally that's mm. the only part that I physically got chills when I was listening to it. Like I just really? like, was like, wow, like I felt it. Um, uh, and I get chills quite a bit with music, but I didn't anywhere else in the soundtrack. So I thought that was um, important to, to point out. Yeah, but we can move no, on absolutely. to our next one. So I'll go to my number nine next, which okay. I believe um, you don't have exactly. You have one similar to that, and we'll talk about that. Is my number nine is the Moisture Farm, and I really like how fun the music the music for the Moisture Farm is. It has this kind of just like jolliness to it, which is kind of surprising. Um, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> has it is that that part I really enjoy. Um. It actually, at some points, has kind of an Indiana Jones style, um, which I really like, even yes, though Indiana yes. Jones came later. I noticed that as I was listening to uh, it, that it has that. And then once it gets to the actual farm and you have the um, the main theme come in, I just think that mm-hmm. is just fantastic when, when yes. the main theme just the... And it's like, it's almost like, I'm not as, you may know the word for this, but when they have almost like the, the downbeat, it's not exactly, it goes bum bumch. There's a little, um, something, uh, on the offbeat, I guess. I don't know what Two you call Two and four. That. Uh, but I really like that part of it where mm-hmm. that, that, that part of the score. So really this whole thing, it's That's just That's the part I was fun. saying he goes over to. Aunt Owen, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Aunt Brew and Uncle Owen. Uh, but it's that the, the Moisture Farm blends the fun and also does a good job of introducing Luke as the hero. Like, you know, mm. Luke's a good guy the moment you meet him because the music right. tells you so. So, anyway, I've talked about this one. What do you think? No, I a- know you're going to refer to the other soundtrack part that sounds like this, but what do you think of the Moisture Farm? Um, well, it's it's truncated compared to so the other version is called the Dune Sea of Tatooine mm-hmm. uh, slash Jawa Sandcrawler, and yeah. this track actually plays um, when the droids are first captured by the Jawas, mm-hmm. um, and it does not ever give you that moment that you just described the of the uh, the main Star Wars theme of Luke, yeah. you know, running. You don't get that. You get inst- now. This is a longer track. It's got more of the soloistic stuff, which all of the oboe work mm-hmm. and the bassoon work is phenomenal in this track. It's perfect for that. And like mm-hmm. you did mention earlier, the the Indiana Jones tie-ins is very, 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 very similar. 
uh, partially because of the desert stuff, you know, uh, a lot of <laughs> desert stuff in Indiana Jones and uh, in Tatooine, um, similarities there. But um, excuse me. <clears throat> so so that track, um, the reason I chose the other one is even though it has a build of a different kind, it it it, want, it tries to build up. And instead of going into that Star Wars theme, it goes into the it showing them inside together. And it shows uh, when 3PO finally sees R2-D2, it is you, it is you, you know, whatever. Um, and and then it kind of shows them uh, going off. And I think in the movie it cuts to, like, um, a, a Tusken Raider maybe or a, mm-hmm. you know, someone like that that's, like, outside looking at them. Um, that, that whole track to me, it's very – it's just a – a great track for almost like this world building aspect. And mm-hmm. that all, all of that is, is establishing the culture and the world of the Tatooine world, you know, within the Jawa culture specifically is what we get to see. I think it just fits. So, um, I put that one as my eighth favorite. It's very, very close to moisture farm. In fact, moisture farm is almost word like note for note, the same thing until we get to the, uh, like you, like you talked about the part with Luke, um, and both of those tracks appear on the uh, special edition soundtrack, but only I think one of them appears on the um, kind of the original release, mm-hmm. which which they gave us. So I like the longer version. It's just just more of that. You just get more of the feel, mm-hmm. and it immerses you in in Tatooine and the and yeah. the feelings you got from when you first watched that. Um, so anyway, that that was your number nine. It was my number eight. So I think we we both agree that that really especially kind of solidified for us Tatooine and mm-hmm. the feels and sounds of it when we first watched A New Hope. Yeah, absolutely. What's your number nine? Um, all right. You, you may disagree with me on this one, but, and, and honestly, it's, it's hard to put it, it's, it's hard to put any of these in any kind of order, but uh, put the Battle of Yavin, you which mean. is fantastic. Like the it snare really drums, is. it's, this is the one I mentioned there were two different tracks that had, kind of the action sequences that I mentioned that I were on my list yeah. and the battle of Yavin is on there for sure. Um, it could go anywhere on this list in the top 10 and it's really hard for me to put it, put it lower or higher. I'll just tell you, I didn't put it higher because personally I don't listen to it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually prefer to listen to a little bit more lyrical tracks. Yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily say that in every case, but, um, with with the Battle of Yavin, you you had, I guess you had all of the emotions tied up together in one, you know, just long extended sequence where mm-hmm. the music was going to get a chance to tell the story, kind of like in Burning Homestead, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah, all of these, all of these, you know, X wings and Tie fighters going and killing each other, and the Death Star, they are only interrupted by a few one lines of dialogue here and there. So the music really shines, and I think everybody recognizes. At the very least, a, a lot of the bigger moments of it, including like the actual Death Star's destruction in that, and you know, kind of the, you know, the tension moments building up as as Vader is getting Luke in his sights, and you know, you know, you see the you see the the targeting zooming in on him, and you hear the you hear in the mu- in the music you hear it match you hear the music match as Han Solo fires and like saves Luke at the last second from Vader, mm-hmm. and the mu- the music as like Tarkin is staring and you, you just have the panel switching from him to the death star to the guys about to pull the to fire the shot. You know, mm-hmm. you just had, you had brilliant use of, of the tension 
And and this was a lot of like And it was just keeping going and a lot of the same things that he did later on in Return of the Jedi in the scene with the um <clears throat> on the cell barge with Luke's mm-hmm. lightsaber about to be flung to him with the way that he established tension and waited. This was a big time, like John Williams decision to just go, all right, hold it, hold it, make him want the release, make him want the release, make them want, make him the tension. We want him to clench yeah. the butt cheeks. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen in the movie. And then finally the release and it's worth it. And then you get the even you given you get this beautiful lyrical thing, and even with Ben's Ben's words that you know the force will be with you, Luke, always. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that you could have done the Battle of Yavin any better, even if you had had Jonathan. Maybe you would tell me this. You you might disagree, but even if you had access to all the entire library of Star Wars soundtrack, other than adding in, and maybe you wouldn't even do this. Would you even add in the Imperial March somewhere, even if it was in a motif? Well, it does. The Imperial March doesn't fit in the A New Hope as a whole because it wasn't created no. yet. But I have to say that I think I could move some other things around. Perhaps mm-hmm. I think I would use maybe perhaps a different version of Tie Fighter Attack. I think would fit in there um, quite well. But as you said, the Battle of Yavin is almost perfect. So I, I, I love yeah. Battle of Yavin. I have it way higher on my list. You I do. have it as my number three. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll I just, think it deserves that. It, it's yeah. just a preference thing. I really, I just, I enjoy it. I don't ever, I really, as you said, I don't listen to it that much compared to the other stuff on the list. Because it's more action scene and usually I'm listening to music when I'm working on homework. So having right. a tense action scene isn't the best. So exactly. I really like it, though. I particularly like the... I don't know what this is called when it goes the and it seems like mm-hmm. um, the um, the on the violins that and that they're like almost scratching the the thing off or they're uh, uh, going a bit more for the open sound in the the instruments or in the um, the the winds with the bum 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 I think that that's just really cool. It's like. Uh, it very much gets you up, up, up. I'm okay. I'm, I'm up. I'm, he, I'm excited. He for really scene. dug into his. Um, can you hear a lot of Mars? There was a, there's a lot oh, of yeah. Gustav Holtz a in that of particular in that track. Mm-hmm. I, I do like I do like that. Obviously, we're referring to Mars from uh, Man the Wine. planets. Yeah, the planets. Uh, uh, so that's yeah. I do agree. You can t- hear some Mars in there. So I have it at my number three. It's one of those weird things that I don't have as much to talk about it because I don't listen to it as much. But when I did go back and listen to it, I did really enjoy it. Um, uh, I do like the ending. Uh, the like as you said, the tension builds, and then once it happens, mm-hmm. you get that kind of like epilogue and the music, that kind of that falling action. Um, when he says the force will be with you always, I think right. that portion of it is really good. So I I just. I really enjoy it. And that. even before then there are there are like um the moments when the Death Star is becoming closer in range mm-hmm. and cer- when certain like rebel ships crash and you cut back to see you know, you see an explosion, you cut back to Princess Leia's face mm-hmm. and you see in her eyes and the music is is like, Oh crap, we've lost everybody. Luke is basically it. Luke and maybe like one other dude. Yeah. 
they're the only chance that we have. We got one more run at this thing. Everybody else has been taken to pieces. And uh, the music, it cuts to, you know, a couple of lines. And maybe as you're editing, you can you can play one of those right here. The one I'm thinking of, I'm not going to try and sing it because hopefully you'll play it. But those fit so great. Anyway, I, I guess we may have exhausted uh, um, a little bit yeah. on that one. What's uh, your... Um, so... I made a well, mistake moving on. earlier, and you did? Uh, I had two of them swapped, and I just realized, no, I actually like this other one more. So Burning Homestead, I had said earlier, it was my number seven. I actually moved it to my number eight. Um, okay. And so I, because I realized I like this other one more, and we've already talked about that, and we've already talked about we your have. number eight, which is the we TNC. Have. So we'll just go, skip so, right to seven. Let's do number seven, then. My number seven is TIE Fighter Attack. Which yes. I love. I love Tie Fighter Attack. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, if I recall, your favorite version of it is on the solo soundtrack. Is it, it not? It is. You are right. In fact, I actually like each version as they go along better. So Tie Fighter Attack in A New Hope is my least favorite version of Tie Fighter Attack, but I still love it. I just I think that they really. Um, I don't know how to describe it. Like the um, the the action score. Uh, you talk about it for a second. I need to get my thoughts uh, mm-hmm. good for this. Well, I'll just say when it comes to action kind of tracks, anything that sticks in your mind as well as this one does, mm-hmm. there's something special about it because I think a lot of people would be able to hum this music. And if you if you hear it playing in the background now, you may be resisting mm-hmm. the urge to hum it as we talk <laughs> about it, but. This one stuck in people's minds and heads far more easily than some of the others that were... They were kind of stompy, a little timpani, you know. But they didn't have this kind of uh, melodic nature to them that this one has. Um, There's just a whole lot of great calls. The French horn parts are amazing. And uh, I think the dialogue in this scene actually serves to... It position you to listen real closely to the parts of the track that it wants you to hear the most. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got, you know, great kid, don't get cocky. You know, you've got some good one-liners in there, but the scene is once again driven, and it's an action shot, but it's not driven by a lot of explosions and Michael Bay. It's driven by this awesome, you know, kind of John Williams just deciding to, to throw a, we'll just call it a, a jet or a war movie style fight scene in the sky into this is our first look at a what would a actual starfighter battle look like mm-hmm. like what would it look like for planes that we see in these war movies and things that influenced him yeah. but they're but they're in space and they've got epic soundtrack you know sci-fi mm-hmm. music and he just had a blast doing it nailed it out of the park and when you have you know what's interesting with the scene itself is that there's not a lot of effects with the visuals of the scene. You basically just have the Millennium Falcon in place, and you just basically have the um, the Tie Fighters just kind of buzzing around it like like little flies, and then you it just cuts between them inside trying to shoot at them because um, mm-hmm. they really didn't have the budget to make the Millennium Falcon maneuver that much, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. But what makes the scene is the music, and I actually while you were talking, I actually uh, had it on, the music on in the background so that I could jolt my memory for a second and the particular part is the when you have the bum 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 that's actually quicker than it actually goes because the actual score is quite slow 
uh, and but it's still that it has it's very staccato. I think that's the right word, and it very just like yeah, uh, separated, very separated, and it makes you it like it draws you in and then causes you to go away. Oh wait, you have to wait for a second for to hear more. Um, uh, again, as lots of John Williams music does, puts you on the edge of your seat. And I think that's just brilliant of it. And you've also got the play of two two type of things going against each other. Then, and then it goes and and it clashes with you know kind of imperial motifs that he is able to pit them against each other Absolutely. as it shows between the two sides firing the different colored lasers. Which that's how we know um, who's good and who's bad. <laughs> yeah, green lightsabers good, but green lasers bad. bad. Red. Good. That that is that is an interesting topic. That's one of those deep dives we'll have to do on on the different colors of the lasers used, um, which is kind of weird calling them lasers. But anyway, so yes, that Blasters. is. And, and as you said, it's hummable. It's a very recognizable. It's one that you play it, and people instantly know what you're referring to. And if you mm-hmm. stopped it in the middle of it, people could keep going with humming it. Most people that have heard it, I think. So I do think that that is one reason it is so good. Um, what do you have as your number seven? Well, this one, I don't even know if you, this wasn't, you may not recognize it, but this one is, it's called Destruction of Alderaan. This track is the one that plays while Princess Leia is being, you know, kind of confronted by Tarkin about this whole, you know, where is the rebel base and the tension and everything that's going on and, and even her reaction when he says, you know, you may fire when ready. And she's like, no. And, you know, you're far too trusting. But the music in the background right here, it's not a particularly long track. I think it's under two minutes. Um, but I've always thought that this track was, it was very, very good. Um, I hope maybe it's playing in the background and you can hear it. Because I think the parts of this track that are great is in the kind of magical way that he, he's able to really paint you in this, oh my gosh, moment. They're really about to destroy a planet. Mm-hmm. And feeling the weight of that, yeah. And uh, you know, of course, Princess Leia's theme, and um, you've got the duh. It's a minor third back and forth between, I guess, in the it's probably in the flute. It might be in the oboe. <clears throat> Excuse me, in the oboe. And uh, anyway, I'm telling you, this one probably didn't even make your radar, but go back and listen to it because I, I I like this track a whole whole lot. I honestly don't have anything to talk about with this one because I do not even remember what the music is in this scene. I remember the whole the scene perfectly, but I don't remember the music mm-hmm. per, per, per se. Um, but I'm sure it's great because all of John Williams' stuff is great. Well, it's the first time that we see the Death Star fire. So think about that. Mm-hmm. Do you remember any music the first time you saw the Death Star fire? No. Do you remember? Do you remember a, a French horn lick? Da 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 da. Oh yes, yes. Now I remember. Yes, that that, that remember that. It back up. So it it happens right before that, mm-hmm. and and that's part of the track, and yeah. uh, so it's building up to the Death Star firing for the first time, and that was just something that you had to handle a certain way, musically speaking. So anyway, mm-hmm. I thought it deserved to be on the list, and it's it's a track that that really is evocative of of the Death Star, and and probably Episode Four. They did not use this track again in. Um, in Return of the Jedi, even though they could have and, and probably would have been a cool, cool comeback, but that's okay because that soundtrack has enough good stuff on it. It does. Except for Jedi Rocks. We'll get to that in a different episode. But so, uh, my number six 
is uh, the Imperial Attack, which is basically after after you have the opening credits. Um, uh, I think you have my that's my number six. You have it at your number four, I believe. No, number five. Oh, but number five. I'll, okay. We yeah, my number six is actually the Tie Fighter Attack, which and and Ben Ben Kenobi's death, um, which that's actually one track. Is is it starts with um, his death. And then goes into the the yeah. Tie Fighter type music, on the at least on the specialized edition soundtrack. Mm-hmm. That one we just talked about. It was your, your number seven, my number six. Um, the Imperial Attack, the Rebel Blockade, blockade Runner. You know, we have got the Ten Tie Four. Anyway, I included that main track, main main title in that. Which mm. um, I don't know why you don't have main titles on your list because that's. That deserves to be on the list. I know it's so. I don't. I almost don't consider the main title to be part of any specific. Maybe I not any associate, specific, but it gets to be a part of this one. I just, I just associate it with every because it's in every single movie. At the well, beginning. let's talk about this then. Do All you right. know? Have you listened to Binary Sunset Alternate? I do not believe. Oh, are you talking about when how he originally used? The um, he originally used the main title theme as the binary sunset. Is that what you're referring to? Close. So what he actually did, Luke's theme was originally the theme that he used in Binary Sunset, and it was later on that I believe uh, Stephen came up to him and said, and I guess they had a conversation with George as well. But they said, "Hey, can you put in Ben's music instead? Um, we think it would fit better." So there is a track called Binary Sunset Alternate, and it's on the special edition release of the soundtrack for New Hope. It's a 17-minute long track, which is deceptive because that track is only a few minutes, about three minutes long. Um, Anyway, what it does is the intro is the same, and then the part after it is the same. But if you listen, it's got an entirely different theme than the Force theme, which we call Ben's theme, which was used in Binary Sunset. Mm-hmm. And that that track was totally different. It's a different track, um, which later we became Luke's theme as well. But um, <clears throat> anyway, you need to listen to this track because it's so different. Mm-hmm. And even though it fits and it feels like something John Williams wrote, because he did, but it is <laughs> so it is so different. Like I, I really feel like he... He saved Star Wars by fixing this yes. because it was became such a huge moment. Um, anyway, but in that track, uh, Binary Sunset Alternate, there is also five takes. It's uh, You'll hear a voice come in and say, take 16. And then you hear the main titles and the Rebel Blackade Runner, which is your, what you're talking about, the Imperial Attack. You hear that track. It's about two minutes or so. You hear it played. Take 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. Mm-hmm. And it's the orchestra playing it five different times with ever so slightly different arrangements. And the main difference is in the way that they start it. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, they start it a few different ways. So I believe one of the times they have like a fifth going to... The one that made the film, I think, is cut 19. And... Um, You'll, interestingly enough, take 20 starts off with this um, this kind of horn lick that's very, very evocative of the throne room theme. Ooh. So it starts off with that, and it's for a couple of seconds, and then it goes into 
um, the Star Wars theme. So if you've ever seen that track on your iPod or whatever, what iPod, I still have one, but if you've ever <laughs> seen that in your list of Spotify, do you, is that what you people, if you, if you're on that and you're like, Hey, what is this? And it, it has after the, after the track plays, it has a moment of silence or two, about a minute. And then it comes in with these alternate takes of the main theme of Star Wars, which were all recorded in 1977, which were all done before they decided which, which version to use. And it's really cool to just, hear how many takes of some you know things that they get i wish that we had more of the kind of rejected tracks just to listen to and be like why didn't this make the score it should be used it's so good um you and i would probably listen to the crap out of that music you know absolutely john williams's uh outtakes are better than um uh hans zimmer's best scores (laughs) oh my gosh Throwing some fighting words out there. Aren't yeah, you? I know. I, that's, I know that's controversial, but anyway, I was just partially joking. Partially, um, yeah. I'm. I'm. I agree. It's. It's an interesting. The. The. The imperial attack because it just has this kind of ominous slow uh, build with the the horns in the background, and then you slowly get to the point where you have um, uh, the stormtroopers finally break through. And they have, mm-hmm. and then it like pauses yes. for a second. Like that's all great. And then it once the stormtroopers are through, you hear the so, so actiony, and it's just it's hard to describe. But I just really what do you enjoy. think about the music they do as Vader walks in? Oh yeah, that's. That is iconic. Like, I I just, I can hear, like, you know those memes, uh, you can't hear an image, and then they show the image, and you actually can hear, because you're thinking about the music that plays there. And that's what I hear, like, when I see And it's really country. not even a theme. It's just it's, the... It's kind of like, it's it's really, it's a little percussive lick with mm-hmm. the with the timpani, boom, 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 you know, and mm-hmm. that's all you get, is this kind of almost dark fanfare, like... Here comes the bad guy, uh, as if we didn't know because he's wearing this black suit and he's six eight. Um, anyway, I wonder. I just wonder what that scene would look like with with the Imperial March instead. Um, I think it would have been great either way, but for them to not have the Imperial March, that's still super iconic. Yeah, and it's um, kind of funny that Williams essentially once he got the Imperial March, he kind of forgot that the original motif, which is the. Um, And it also has the um, man. I'm blanking on it now, but like the the original imperial motif in 1977 was pretty impressive, and he just didn't use it, and it wasn't even used in Star Wars until Rogue One. And I think it's just great that Mm. um, Michael Giacchino was because because Rogue One is essentially has a lot of themes and a lot of moments that are built around a new hope. It really is just mm. built around a new hope. And so he just brings back several new hope themes. Also, he didn't have much time to write Rogue One because mm-hmm. it was last minute. Right. So yes, that's why yes. he, he stole a lot from that. But, um, I did permission. really, I, I did, I did. I was happy that that gets used again. So it's used twice in star Wars. So yours was number six. Yeah. Mine was number five. We're really getting down to the cream of the crop. So mm-hmm. tell me what your number five is. My number five is Princess Leia's theme, which mm. is, um, do you ha- not have that on here? It escaped my, um, 
<clears throat> memory. Remember as I was as I was doing my list. Um, Interesting. Because as much as I love that theme, I, I for some just just random reason, yeah. I did not place it on my list, and I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> Ten is not enough numbers is the short answer. Yes, that um, is that is the case. We just need to rank every single one ever. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, it'd be hard to do that, but these tracks deserve that kind of love. So, um, yeah. what do you like that theme? What do you, just what like speaks to you about it? How it starts out, you have the kind of flute. portion it's just so so good and it feels very i don't know how to describe it but i would almost use the word i've been used to saying that a lot this time i need to stop saying that uh i would use the word feminine almost i don't know if that's correct but like mm-hmm. it has a very different quality than all the other the all the other themes used um uh much more melodic uh because it really is for Princess Leia. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, I don't know why, but for some reason I can't hear it now without thinking about um, in Star Wars Celebration 2017, which was soon after um, Carrie Fisher's death, they had a surprise by um, uh, John Williams, and he the first before he played the main theme... The first thing he played was Princess Leia's theme from two thousand, uh, from uh, A New Hope, because that was like so iconic about her. Mm. So it's just it's it's a very beautiful, sweet piece. Um, sets the tone for her character very well. I don't. <clears throat> I'm not for sure. I think though that 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 track is also used in one of my one of my ones that I mentioned above this. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I left out Leia's theme entirely. I just. I forgot about it. Um, I agree with everything you said, and um, I've heard this actually played in a jazz version. Ooh. It was in college by a jazz band. They played, you know, but they had a French horn on the lick. And, man, is it? it's beautiful. It's it's definitely the quintessential Star Wars type feel. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, it's it's interesting that we take away from this, you know, Ben's theme, Luke's music, which kind of becomes synonymous at one, some points. Because, yeah. <clears throat> but we take away those two, and we take away Princess Leia's theme. Um, but who's the character who doesn't really get anything? Han Solo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Instead, his 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 music is all action music, yeah. and he reacts to the character he's around. Mm-hmm. So when he's around Luke. Or when he's around Leia, or when he's around some, you know, another one person with a theme. Even later on, he's around Lando or whoever, and he gets to share in their music. Yeah. And then the first time he gets a theme is in Solo, which it's a fantastic um, theme in Solo. I I love. It is good getting to that every time. It's good and that, I can't wait. It's till good that Williams up. wrote it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, what my uh, the mo- the one that I mentioned that it would be my next one, my number four. Um, so that was your number five. My number five was main title. We already went through that, but not my number four was, um, tales of a Jedi Knight, Uh, and it's also slash learn about the force. It's kind of those two tracks together, which mm. you remember that scene, of course, yep. don't you? Yep. Oh yeah. 
this is the scene that Ben is telling, you know, what happened to Luke's father, you know, what happened to Anakin. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and it's, and it's also the scene <clears throat> where you, I think get a little bit of, uh, of the princess's music, although yeah. you may, you may not, but, um, it's, this is t- this whole track. I would almost put it as my number one cause I love it so much. It's magical. Mm-hmm. It is, it, it, it's almost like how that Hedwig's theme paints you in Harry Potter from the first yep. one measure. Mm-hmm. Ba da da, and you're in you're in Harry Potter, and yeah. John Williams did the same thing with this, and just it's almost like you're they're tickling the strings with like musical honey in this in this particular you know in Tales of the Jedi Knight, and you know I can always hear just. I, I just hear Star Wars in there. I see Ben or Obi-Wan. I see him kind of lean back in his chair and scratch his beard and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's so great. That's that's a track that um, that I listen to all the time when I'm studying and things like that. Do yeah. you do you have any moments in that track that you that you like, or do, is that one on your list somewhere? It's not on my list, um, just because again we talked. There's just not enough numbers within ten, but. Uh, I do like that, and I am—I don't know why—but I am having trouble just recalling off memory different um, the different soundtracks here. Uh, like, I, it's one of those it, at random I can come up with them, but like when like put on the spot, I'm like, uh, I don't—I mm-hmm. don't remember. So I—I I remember the scene perfectly, and I remember what the music feels like, but I'm just—I I can't hum it for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but well, it has the main theme, though, but it has it slowed down. Ba da da da. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ba da da da. Yeah, it has that in there. Um, it's and really it has good. it has the strings. It has that as well. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's just all of the best stuff in one track. It, it is good. I'm gonna move on to my number four, which is the Cantina Band, which I think you have at number two. So yes, I have it. It's hard for me to put it lower than two because of yeah, it's so how good. much I love this. Yeah. Um, by the way, to listeners and to you, Nathan, after this sometime, you need to go listen to uh, Steve Torok, who made three Star Wars songs. He did Main Theme Mambo, Imperial Funk, and Cantina Swing. And yes. I think you Cant- showed those to me. I think when I did. you. You did, you did, back when I was your band director in high school. So this was quite a few years ago. Five or six years ago, yeah. yeah. Um, and I was over, I guess, I guess I came to say something to your dad, and you pulled it up on the computer, and I was immediately just shocked and blown away. But I had forgotten who did them, so I need to make a note. Yes. Don't let me forget to write that down, who did it. Yeah, Steve Torok is the name, if listeners are also interested. Um, it's fantastic. I listen to that stuff all the time. If Coffee with Kenobi hadn't already made that their main theme for their uh, podcast, I would have done it for hours because it's that good. Um, mm. But anyway, I think of theirs with the Cantina Band um, quite, a, quite a bit because the Cantina Band is just, it's, it's very versatile. It can be played in a lot of different, again, we talk about the second one being able to be played in the background. The first one's even able to be played in the background. And you just have that do 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 It has like that fun aspect that I really like. It's hummable. It's 
it's interesting. It's it's mood setting. It's very um, uh, Benny Goodwin uh, reference thing. Mm-hmm. And so it just it Goodman, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> uh, and it's uh, it just really feels atmospheric. Is the word I'll use? Fun and atmospheric. Mm-hmm. And I just well, you're not gonna really enjoy you're not that. gonna find a more just alien sounding song than that. Yeah. Um, it was, it's, if it was a contest, man, though, because I'll tell you, I, I did this in my senior recital in college. Mm-hmm. I arranged it for saxophone quartet. I played yeah. the soprano. Uh, we had drum set. I had a bass guitar guy and a blue piano as well. Mm-hmm. Wish I'd gotten a steel drum player. Um, but it's up on YouTube. <clears throat> I think it's my highest watched view. Last time I looked, it was like, 150 or 200,000 or something like that views on YouTube. Really? Um, I didn't know for people you had that, a YouTube that have watched that. Alone. Well, anyway. I, I only made it to post those videos in my senior recital. The other videos have like nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then that one over the years is just, it would get 10,000 and then next year it would get 20,000 views and it just got more popular and more popular. But um, anyway, that's up there. And in our show this year, my band show, marching band show, and our drum, our drum feature, we're doing a uh, Big noise from Winnetka, which is in the same type of groove as Cantina. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of that, I have a woodwind feature with it, where the wood brass pass it over in a minute to them, and they literally they go, and then we go back to big noise from Winnetka. So. Uh, Cantina band is like quintessential for me. I have to put it in everything because I love it so much. <laughs> and uh, we even we did it as a stands tune one time uh, when we were uh, with you, when you were in the band. We did we had some saxophone players that could do it. Um, I've got to build back saxophone section and uh, get them get them good. But we will do that as a stands tune as, as often as we possibly can because that's how good it is. And people love it. I love when people recognize and appreciate Star Wars music, mm-hmm. and that makes me love it more. Yeah. When we get to share in things, they're like, everybody knows that it's Star Wars, so we can do it because everyone else will know it and appreciate it and like it. Exactly. And this is one of those things. And Jonathan and I both, like, we instantly grab onto those things and run with them. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I, I wish, if, if only we, the band, like, if only the the band in the when we're in the stands doing stance tunes could just play the whole time we could really expand our repertoire and we would be able to just really do a lot of these fun um genre songs unfortunately we have to pare down because you know we play a song and then we have to wait like five minutes for the right for the right thing to happen uh we can't just be playing the whole time sadly but we don't want to get yelled at by football coaches that are like, exactly. we're trying to call um, a play. Quit. <laughs> or, by the, or by the cheer coach being like, hey, we need to do a cheer. It's like, oh, just do the band <laughs> cheer. Anyway. But, yeah, I, I do love the Cantina Band. Um, and this is where it gets interesting because your number uh, f- uh, three is Hologram Binary Sunset, which we've already talked about. My number three is Bottle of Yavin, which we've already talked about. Your number two is Cantina Band, which we just briefly touched on, mm-hmm. and my number two is Binary Sunset. So, but our number one is the same. And if you're listening, one is the what same. have we not talked about? Uh, the wait, hang on, let, let me let me just remember. Uh, uh, I was going to try to remember like some random thing that isn't the. the th- hey, post production, Jonathan, cue the track now. 
<laughs> um, I'll tell you this. This scene has been ruined for me by the libertarian uh, Star Wars because they overlap this scene that plays with um, wedding music. And so they walk down, like walking down the aisle to the wedding. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it's... That's the plan anyway. Yeah. Anyway. We can never... If you and I can ever find a woman who's willing to marry us, we will use this. Hey, you know, Mike Self, our um, uh, co-producer who's on the podcast, that's what he and his wife ran of down course. the aisle to. And they didn't tell anyone, um, uh, other than the person who was doing the music, they didn't tell anyone. So it was like a total shock. And I was like, yes. <laughs> it's not going to be a shock to anyone who knows us. Now, for me, it'll be, it will not be as she's coming in. It will be... Okay, and now we pronounce you man and wife, and then you then hear you the play. sound, and exactly. we we're going going out. It's a going out song. It is coming nice. in song. It's still more of a it's more of a serious thing, and that's that's for the girl to pick. But you know, she'd probably be a Star Wars fan anyway, and she would be okay with us doing that on the end. <laughs> My sister did it for hers. I'm pretty sure. Um, the only tough question is: Do you want to use this version, or do you want to use the version they used in the end credits of uh, Return or Revenge of the Sith? Because they did a reprise of it, which is also great. It is very very great. You know what I'm talking about? No, they used the, the throne room. The throne room theme. Are you kidding? Jonathan, go immediately once we're done recording and just pull up Revenge of the Sith soundtrack. Look at the end titles and about three or four minutes in oh, after in they've the done all of the reprise. Okay. In the I'm end sorry. titles. I'm sorry. I thought you meant like that was how they ended. And I'm like, that's not how they end the movie. <laughs> no, no, no. They did a reprise of it. Um, okay. And they did. it was a little bit slower tempo. Um and I'm not sure if it might have even been in the same key or different. Key. I, now, I think it might I now remember key. what you're talking about because okay, I can yeah. picture that. So I, I well, you're forgiven. But the throne room theme is very, very much our favorite. Um, it's great. It, it just brings everything together, wraps up the movie nice mm-hmm. and tidy, and and gives us this awesome thing that we want to kind of, I guess, <laughs> put in. Like, hey, do do you remember that I wrote this into the graduation music? Yes, it was great. I loved it. Yes, and so for Pomp and Circumstance, if you're listening out there, usually there's kind of like a fanfare and it's just it's just bleh or bleh. it's kind of just – it's very unremem- – it's, un- it's forgettable. I, all I did was I took this. I took the entrance to Throne Room theme. And then we – Ba, da, 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 da. <laughs> anyway, right into that, which yeah. I hate pomp and circumstance because I have to play it every, every year, year <laughs> ever. And it's one of those things that gets stuck in your head. So you by doing that, it makes it head. slightly, <laughs> slightly more palatable for me because I'm like, we get to play some Star Wars. Um, mm. In fact, I may, I may try and like further include some Star Wars and yeah. see what I can do to, to liven up the pomp and circumstance. People are like, your pomp and circumstance sounds different, but I like it. Be like, yeah, it's because it's mostly Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! So yeah, I would actually trouble. like to. I would like to see someone turn their uh, recessional into uh, the Avengers theme. I think that would actually work quite well. It's it has some similar tones and and feeling to the throne room theme. Uh, anyway, that's a totally side note. Uh, different podcasts, hmm. but yes, as you were talking about the throne room, the um, uh, how it has the the background of the you have the bum 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 bum. It, it's it's almost um, bum, 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 bum. 
it's, it's, it's really cool because like every time you have a, what's essentially the bum 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 ba da da da, like you hear very different iterations. Even though sometimes the the background stuff's playing on the upbeat, sometimes it's on the downbeat, sometimes it's kind of right at mm-hmm. the same time. And and this one, it just it just feels epic. It feels big, and it's the biggest. I think this is the scene that has the most people on 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 screen at the at, at one time because you have like all the extras um uh, in there which you know up. that was you know that was painted right oh sh- stop don't don't ruin no, that no, for no. me you didn't you didn't know that i didn't i i, it's, I figured it was green screen but no painted. no that was that was painted that's that's interesting i didn't, I didn't it's know very interesting now there were i mean yeah there were some real there were some real people the first the nearest ones up but yeah, there weren't like three hundred people in that room. Oh, There's well, like that just twenty. The, anyway, this feels like no. It's really, for, really cool. You need to look that up and look at how they painted it because it does look amazing. Yes, we, you, this feels like a song meant for three hundred people in a room, like celebrating something. So I, I really love as you do the throne room. So I'm glad we had one that matched up perfectly. Would have been really, really weird for them because I don't know where the speakers were unless they were playing this like on. You know, speakers in the ceiling or something, but they had no orchestra in the room. What mm-hmm. if they're Luke and Han and having you know they're having to walk in with no music? I know in the actual universe. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's that's lame. <laughs> and everybody's you know just quiet, except for a few people who are like smiling awkwardly because there's no music. It, it makes sense to smile. There's music. But. Well, it's okay. almost like it's almost like in Lord of the Rings. He wrote the music not just so for the movie, but he wrote it as if it could be played by the peoples. Like the elf music right. is meant to be the music of like the elves, as if the elves were playing that music themselves. So it's almost like mm-hmm. the throne room. I envision it as if they were having celebratory music for them in universe. That would fit. That sure. would be the music. So I, I view it that way. So kind of like with the Gungans and in, in mind yeah. canon. And yeah. <laughs> in episode one, I was thinking about the Gungan parade. That's kind of it's a little bit of a parallel to, to yeah. Throne Room. And I'll be honest, um, this is a bit of a like a, a spoiler for when we talk about the episode one soundtrack. I like the episode one musically, the ending of it. I like it musically better than the Throne Room scene. The just it's great. I just I don't think it's better. It was puts a smile. I've seen a new. I've seen Phantom Menace probably more than any other Star Wars movie because it was my favorite growing up, and it's just a very rewatchable one. So it just has that special place in my heart. But yes, the Throne Room and the ending of Episode One very similar. True. Anyway. So, um, I guess we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we'll announce our topic for show number 25. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Nathan again, and Jonathan, we're actually going to throw it to you to talk about what we'll do on our next episode, which I actually can't wait for this. Um, It'd be my second time to be on one of these. So, Jonathan, without me spoiling it, tell us what we're going to talk about next time on Two Sons. We're going to be talking about from a certain point of view, also known as Fakpaf. POV. Um, love calling it that. Uh, from a certain point of view is the short stories about A New Hope, and we'll be talking about the next set of 
um, eight short stories from that. This one's going to cover the end of the uh, Death Star stuff and we'll start moving into bef- right before the Battle of Yavin. Um, there's some interesting ones in there. There's a Shakespeare-styled poem, um, which is really good. It's my favorite one in this batch. Um, uh, and then there's some just traditional short stories and other stuff. But that's going to be our next Wait episode. We are also it's just a poem, counting though, down right? the days... It's, I'm sorry? It's just a fo- it's just a poem because <clears throat> I was in I was in it's, the I was in a bookstore and saw this whole thing where they had written out the entire script to I believe it was Empire Strikes Back yeah, every, in Shakespearean they have every single one they have every single Star Wars movie except for Rogue One and okay. Solo all the all the episodic films as uh, it's called Shakespeare Star okay. Wars I saw that and, right. um, it's the same author it's Ian Desher. Uh, he did those, and he does this short story. But instead of doing it as a full scene, he just writes it as a poem, a Shakespeare poem. Okay, so, anyway, but it's the same author. That's, that's that pretty one. cool. I'm excited to get to read that then. Yeah, it's it's really cool. The audiobook is also pretty cool. But we are counting down the days until Mandalorian comes uh-huh. out. Once Mandalorian comes out, whoo, that's that's gonna monopolize a lot of our time on the podcast. So we we have um, um, well, we have two more episodes before we get. Or two more podcasts before we get to Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So um, we do very very soon. We will be talking about it, and uh, certainly cannot wait for uh, more of our favorite characters. And mm-hmm. man, I hope it lives up to the hype. So, but in the meantime, I will read and catch up on these, and uh, we will be back soon. So until then, I have been Nathan, aka NP Bro, and I'm Jonathan. And thank you guys for listening to Two Sons of Tatooine.